The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Good morning and welcome to First Conyers, where we're all about Jesus and his mission to make disciples who make disciples. It's great to see you guys here this morning. Thank you so much for being here, for praying, for giving, for singing, and for, most importantly, being able to listen to God's voice and respond to him today. JMO is out of town. He's down in Nicaragua. Is that how he says it? With a couple other guys. Um, they're down there finishing up some pastor training this week, and they'll be back Thursday and be back here with us next Sunday. But BTCP, Bible Training Center for Pastors, is just one of the many ways that you guys as a church help support the mission to go and make disciples. So thank you so much for being a part of that and for praying for them while they're gone. But while they do that, we're here today. And they're on mission down there. We are still on mission here today. And I think it's very cool that we can be in different places at the same time, doing different things, and still be all about God's mission. And if you're half as excited as I am today about what we're doing here, I think we're going to have a great time together. Okay? You guys with me? All right, you ready to get going? Okay, so today is week three of our five-part series of Who's Your One, where we have been encouraging everybody to pray daily for a specific person who God has led them to, and then be intentional about building relationships with that person, sharing your story, the gospel, and inviting them to church. And to help you guys out, I don't want you to miss it in case you haven't got it already, out to my left and your right, we have some prayer guides and some bookmarks, some scripture, some prayers, a little journal that you can pick up to help you remember and then to lead you through some prayers. You can also, on your smartphone, if you have the Version Bible app, they have that plan that you can download right there as well. So if that's more convenient or handy for you, you can get it that way. And then out to my right-hand side, back on this side of the church, on the wall, we have our one wall up out there. And we would love for you guys, as God puts on your heart the person that he has for you to share with, just to write their first name or initials on a white ball and then drop it out in there. That's just a way to remind us and to be intentional and on purpose about going and sharing with the people that God puts on our hearts. And I hesitate to ask this, but I'm going to be brave today and do it anyway. How many of you guys could raise your hand and say, God has given me my one? In just these few weeks since we've been preaching and teaching and talking about this. Okay, that's what I like to call a good start, okay? And for those of you that haven't, I'm praying that God will show that person to you today. I am going to pray what I've prayed for myself. And that's that we would pray prayers that depend on God and then trust him with the results, okay? I'm going to continue to ask that for you just as I have for myself. So as we were planning and preparing the series, God began to put someone on my heart that he wanted me to pray for and engage with the purpose of evangelism and discipleship. 
and I'm not going to share a name or give any details because I don't want to embarrass anybody, mostly myself, okay? But I promise you that I have somebody. And I want you to know it's been clearly a God thing for me because it's not somebody that I would have come up with on my own. And I want it to be that way for you too. And so, yeah, maybe I had a little bit of head start on you, but we're all in this together. And so you should not only be hearing about who's your one here when we get together on Sunday mornings in our worship service, but I've asked every small group leader to be intentional about spending the first 10 minutes of your time together to talk about your ones, to pray for your ones, to encourage each other and hold each other accountable to doing what God has called us to do. And this may be only a five-week sermon series, but we're going to continue this as a church emphasis for months and months and months. So if you're thinking, oh, in five weeks it won't matter anymore, I can just get by and I can't, I'm not going to be a part of this, I got bad news for you. We're going to keep asking, and we're going to keep praying, and we're going to keep sharing. And so get on board with what God wants to do. You don't want to miss out on that, all right? And if you guys don't have a small group, if you're not already plugged into a small group someplace, I would love for you to come back to the Connect Desk at the end of the service today and get with Ryan or myself, and we would love to help you get connected to a group of people that you can do life with. That's so, so important for all of us. If you're wondering who is this guy at this point, I am so sorry I didn't introduce myself earlier. I am Jeff Riley and I'm the young adults and small groups pastor here at First Conyers, okay? Um, I tell you that not so that you'll think this is all about me, just so that you won't write any hate mail to JMO about anything that I say this week, okay? So if you have something that I say that you don't agree with, you come and tell me after the service, and so I'll know how to pray for you, okay? I'm just kidding about that. Really, I hope that God is going to speak through me today and give me every word that I say. And so if there's something that I say that you don't like, feel free to take it up with him. How's that? Is that good? Do I have your attention yet? All right, if you're with me, say I'm with you. All right, that's good. So we can continue to go because I want to say, I want you to pay close attention to what I say next. If you're like me in days past, when I have been sitting where you're sitting, and somebody's been up here talking about evangelism, I'd be very uncomfortable. I'd be anxious for at least a few different reasons. One, because I'm a natural introvert, and I thought that there was no way I could ever live up to the standards or examples that I would hear somebody talking about from the platform. Two, because I felt an internal pressure to do things the way that they talked about that they were doing things in order to lead people to Christ. And finally, because I felt guilty about not doing enough in this area for God in the kingdom. That was until I finally understood that God created us all to live in relationship with him and with others. And it's in this context we're most effective for him. And when we allow him to work through us in the relationships that we have in order to share who he is and what he's done for us and what he wants for that other person. I'm not saying that I have it all figured out. I'm not saying that I'm an expert at this by any means. This is just one of the many ways that God is growing me and teaching me knowing that I still have a long, long way to go. So I hope that some of you 
can relate to that and be able to say, okay, take a deep breath, and now I'm going to be ready to hear what God has to say to me today. All right? Understanding that changed everything for me, and I hope it does for you guys too. So this is the thing about discipleship. It's not a class that we go to. It's not a formula we memorize or a program that we participate in in order to perform in front of an audience. It's a way of life that we model that Jesus himself has set for us along with his followers that can help us understand what that's supposed to look like for us as well. So I hope that takes some pressure off today. God wants to use us to accomplish his plan. And I want to encourage you that you can make a difference just as you are and who God created you to be if you're willing to let him use you in the context of relational discipleship in your life. And to prevent me from getting in the way of any of this, I want to stop right now and continue to ask God, as I have been privately, publicly, to have his way and to do what he wants to do, not only in this service here and through his word and his message, but as we go out into the community after we leave this place. So will you join me? Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for today. Thank you for being the awesome and amazing God that you are. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you want to do in the world. God, I ask you today that you would just get me out of the way, that you would have your way with everything that happens in this place. God, that you would give us ears to hear from you and you alone, and that God, you would use us in this way as we are willing to submit to you and your plans. So show us what that looks like and help us to have the faith to trust you in it. It's in Jesus' name that we ask and pray. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the power of one. So often in life, when we think about one, it's a negative connotation, right? We think of one as being small and insignificant or unimportant. I'm only one. I only have one. There's only one left. Songs and poetry have been written about it, and we can relate. We can relate. One follower, one like, one friend, one comment, one cookie, one dollar, almost if it's meaningless. And as disciples, we can easily overlook and underestimate the value of one. But I want to challenge us all today to think about one the way Jesus does. One pearl, one sheep, one coin, one son, one invitation, one prayer, one story, one neighbor, one friend, one classmate. The difference that one has made and will continue to make can be immeasurable. What we want to do is avoid failing to be the one that God uses to make an impact in somebody else's life. 
We want to avoid the regret because we refuse to be the one that said yes to God and someone else paid for it. I hate to say it, but it's true, so I will. Unfortunately, there have been many people in my life that I've failed in this way over time. But one stands out to me because of the way that it ended. When I was a teenager into my young adult years, um, I did lots of really stupid stuff. And some of you are probably thinking, well, not much has changed, right? But, but anyway, I love to party, I love to hang out with friends, listen to loud music, go on road trips, and all of those kinds of things. And in those days, there was a guy that I hung around with. Not a close personal friend, but a friend of some friends that I used to hang around with, all right? And so I would see him regularly, on and off, over a period of several years, and then one day, I got a call. They told me that he had been in a car crash and died. I was shocked. He was young, and he was gone. And I thought about my new to young faith at the time, and there was not one time that I could remember ever sharing a word about God, let alone my story or the gospel with him. To make it even worse, I never lived out a transformed life in front of this guy so that he could see the difference that Jesus made in me. And I may have been one of the only, if not one of the only, one of the very few people that he knew that could have pointed him to Jesus. And it's still hard for me to think about. But at the same time, it encourages me not to let it happen again. God gives us opportunity and relationships with people on purpose so that we can share his grace and truth and love with others so that they can have the same thing that he offers to us. And that's eternal and abundant life. Forgiveness and freedom to live for him. As someone who Jesus had just called, I think Philip understood this on some level. Let's look at, take a look at John 1, 43 through 49 to see what I'm talking about. You can turn them on, open them up, or follow along on the screen with me in CSB if you, if you prefer to do that. Are you guys there? If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, follow along and read along with me on the screens up here. This is what the Bible says. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. 
You are the king of Israel. So Jesus finds Philip and calls him to follow after him. Philip understands that this is a moving away from old priorities and maybe even people and places in his life and moving towards a new commitment that will take precedence over everything else. You see, Philip had a choice, just like all of us do. Jesus said, come follow me. He could have said no, like some of you guys have. He could have said yes, and in his excitement, taken off to follow after Jesus. But he doesn't do that either. He doesn't hesitate to agree, and it doesn't say that in the text. We know this because he becomes one of Jesus' disciples. But in his excitement to follow, he doesn't forget his friend. How many times can you look back and say, in your excitement, you left alone? I think it's Louis Giglio that said this, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go together. How good and true is that? Man, that's worth the, worth the price of admission today. When you're in a hurry, you think it's easier to go by yourself. And it is, and that's why we do it. But easy is the enemy of good. I want to say that again in case you missed it. Easy is the enemy of good. The good thing is usually the hard thing, but the results are always better. And you may not get there as fast, but you can never go as far alone as you can together. We were built to need each other. God created us, and then he said, ah, it's not good for man to be alone. And he gave us family, and he gave us the church. So discipleship is about bringing someone else along with you. Philip identified somebody that he already had a relationship with and then told him, we found the one. And I'm not sure who the we were, but it's funny to think that Philip thought he found Jesus when it was really obvious that Jesus found him. Sometimes I think we think that as well. But it's Jesus that came looking for us. It's him who pursued us, who called us, who tracked us down, who got our attention and showed us how much we needed him. And then he said, come and follow me. And I thank God that he didn't leave it up to me to find him because I would still be out there going around and around in circles with no hope or no purpose in my life. And so would you. If you haven't answered his call, you still are. So Philip goes to Nathaniel and tells him that they have found the Messiah. And this is how Nathaniel replies. Spoiler alert, he is not impressed. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel was a little judgy. You guys heard that before? Carla and I frequently encourage each other in this way. Don't be judgy. Somebody needs to tell their neighbor this morning not to be judgy. Some of us need to hear that message. Husbands, be careful. I'm, don't blame me for any of this. But can somebody just say, hey, don't be judgy. Thank you. Thank you. We need to hear that message. So, confession time for me. I've lived in the Covington-Conyers area for about 26 years now. 
It's crazy to think that. But when I moved here, I have to admit that I looked down on Covington. I came to live in Conyers, and I thought, man, I never want to live in Covington. There's nothing for me there. I didn't have any reason to go to Covington. I looked down on the place and the people. I was judgy, and you are too. Maybe there's a place or a group of people that you feel the same way about. Maybe it's Conyers, I don't know. But I want you to guess, some of you know the answer to this question, where we live now. We live in Covington. That's right. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? But this is what I know, that God needed to change my heart. God needed to change my heart. And he did. And maybe today he needs to change yours too. We know that he had to change Nathaniel's heart. Nathaniel thought about Nazareth the same way that I thought about Covington. See, Nazareth was a place of no reputation. They were unimportant economically, politically, and militarily speaking. They had nothing going on there. Nobody was trying to go to Nazareth for the weekend. They weren't trying to go for a vacation. They were not trying to go for a destination wedding. And definitely nobody was trying to go start their new business in Nazareth out there in that little nowhere town. But not only was Nathaniel judgy, he was also pretty slick. You see, he wanted to redirect the conversation and divert it away from the person of Jesus. And when we invite, others will try to do that to us too. But don't get caught up in it. Don't get sidetracked. Like Philip, keep the main thing the main thing. You don't have to know the answers to all the questions. It's okay. You just have to know Jesus and how he called you, and how he wants to do the same thing for someone else through your invitation. So don't argue with them. Just make the introduction. It's not always easy, but it is simple. And Jesus, of course, has it down. So listen to how he does it. He uses a guy he invited into a relationship with him to make an invitation to someone else that he knew. Philip invited and introduced Nathaniel to Jesus, and he let Jesus do the rest. But he was intentional about going and telling and inviting to come and see. Because once we know him, we are part of the mission to make him known to others. We don't have to convince anybody of anything. Just invite and introduce them to come and see. You don't have to take my word for it. Just come and see for yourself. So Nathan grudgingly accepts because of his friend's invite, but has very low expectations. And then Jesus does what only he can. He does the convincing. See, Jesus knew Nathaniel, not just his name, not just where he was, but he saw him and knew him in a way that was impossible for anyone other than God to know. People want to be fully known and fully loved. And that was enough for Nathaniel. It's enough for us too. See, Jesus moved Nathaniel from doubt to curiosity to belief 
through a friend who is willing to identify, invite, and introduce him. And we can use that same model with our one. Any football fans in the house today? Anybody? It's getting close, right? It's getting very close. It's my favorite season of the year. I love football. College, pro, all of it. What much to my wife's dismay. It's my favorite sport by far. And I don't watch as much as I used to, but I watch as much as I can. My dad and I were watching some last night, by the way, and while my wife was ironing, she let me do it, so thanks, Carla. Anyway, I, not only do I love football and like watching it, college and pro, I also play fantasy football, so almost every game I have some kind of vested interest in, all right? And, for, and I want to tell you who I root for, but you can save the booze. I've heard it all before, okay? I am a Notre Dame fighting Irish fan, and I am a Miami Dolphins fan, and so pray for me because it's been rough for several years, but I have faith that one of these days we'll get it right again. Anyway, part of the fun of football season is the buzz that goes along with it, right? The build-up, the anticipation, the free agent signings, the draft, and the trades. It's fun, and everybody's talking preseason polls, and who's number one, and who's going to win the division, the Super Bowl, or even just a particular game. And in the end, none of those wins are going to matter. Who won last year? Some of you know, but in five years, unless you're a Clemson fan, you won't remember. Unless maybe you're an Alabama fan. <laughs> but who you win, who you're one will matter forever, at least to that person. And it may forever change not only a life, but a family, a neighborhood, a school, or even a country. You may think that you're insignificant and that you can't make a difference because you're only one. But let me tell you that your invitation, your introduction could change the world. There's no telling what your one will do once God gets a hold of them. There's no telling who they will reach through a simple invite to come and see. You as one matter. Your one matters, and together as we reach out, pray, share, and invite are going to make a difference for the kingdom. You say, well, how do you know that? Because anytime we get together on purpose to do what God has called us to be a part of, we will be changed, and then God will use us as change agents wherever we go. Your one may become a teacher, a parent, a doctor, a missionary, the president, a pastor, a business owner, or even a professional athlete, and may have influence over dozens or hundreds or thousands of people in their lives. But back to that excitement that football brings us year after year. We're ready for the new season to start, the new challenge to begin. No matter if we've suffered a loss or celebrated a win the previous year, our goal is the same, and that's to win the next game. And it should be that way for us as believers. We should be ready to win the next one and excited about the prospect. But for lots of us, the longer we're Christians, the less excited we are about Jesus 
and his mission. And I think it's because of this. Save people sour if they aren't sharing. That's good. You should write it down if you didn't. Let me say it again. I said save people sour if they aren't sharing. It wasn't God's intent for us to get off the field, go into the stands after he saves us, and try to coach from the luxury suites. That's his job. He said, I want you on the field, in the game, engaged in the mission. And the people that you see sharing and who are around other new believers have that energy. They have that excitement because they're part of it. It makes sense, doesn't it? Being around people that are coming to Jesus reminds us of what it was like for us when he saved us. Not only that, it helps us remember what he saved us from before we believed. So if you want to live an exciting life, live on purpose for Jesus and you'll never be bored. I love what Paul writes in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 10. This is great to read when we think we're going to be missing out on something to do what God is calling us to do. He writes this to the followers at Philippi. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. You may never hear a coach say this, but sometimes you got to take a loss to get a win. You have to be willing to lose something in order to win something else. Paul said he was good with taking that L in order to win what was more important. He wanted to be like Jesus. Are you willing to give up something in order to gain what really matters? It's a losing of ourselves to win our one. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. You might not remember this, but some years ago, there was a credit card commercial that rem it, this scripture passage right here reminded me of. I am not endorsing credit cards. In fact, Carla and I are leading young adults this semester through Financial Peace University. So if you are a young adult or no one that may benefit from that, send them our way on Wednesday nights. Okay? But my version of the commercial sounds something like this. 2020 Ford F-250 Super Duty Super Crew Cab Platinum Edition FX4. 
6.7 liter V8 power stroke turbo diesel 12 inch high country lift kit fuel rims and 40 inch tires $80,000 I wish Carla was in here taking notes <laughs> new transmission when you tear it up $3,000 the memories you make while you're doing it priceless <laughs> there's some things that money can't buy but back to the parable I'm sorry about that can you imagine walking through a field and stumbling upon hidden treasure you dig and you dig and you dig some more until you fully uncover it you open it up and in your disbelief it's a fortune so you want to protect it you dig down deeper to make sure nobody else can find it while you're gone dump it back in there cover it all up so you can go liquidate all of your assets find the owner and purchase the property that's what someone on a mission somebody that knows their priorities in life and will do whatever it takes to reach their goal even if it means giving up everything they understand how much value is at stake and then the pearl in ancient times pearls were the most valuable and precious commodity more highly valued even than diamonds because of their rarity and the value of these pearls were made even higher because of the danger related to diving for the oysters many who were trying to obtain these rare and beautiful pearls lost their lives while looking for them but do you remember how pearls are made it starts with just a tiny grain of sand that somehow made its way into the oyster shell it begins as an irritation an aggravation but once it finds its way in there the oyster begins to surround it with a crystalline covering that over time begins to harden and experts say that it takes seven years to form the most beautiful pearls during that period of time slowly but surely little by little that worthless little grain of sand is covered in beauty we may read those parables and think that we're the man going through the field and looking for the pearl and when we find it we do whatever we have to do in order to make sure that we don't miss out on it because the treasure the pearl is the kingdom of God and that's true there's nothing more important than that in life we should give up whatever we can in order to be a part of what God is doing here on earth and then for eternity but I want to ask you to look at it a little differently today I want to propose to you that we are the treasure that you are the pearl and that Jesus was the man who found you and gave up everything in order to purchase you think about it for a second he left heaven he gave everything up he came searching for you and then he gave up his life in order that he would buy you back and have you for himself you are his one and he wants the same thing for our ones he wants us to want the same thing for them too 
And as I wrap up here this morning, I want you to consider, if you still aren't convinced, the difference that one can make, the power of one. I want you to go home and read the story about the woman at the well, an outcast in her community, and look at the difference that she made in her city. I want you to think about how God used a murderer, Moses, as he called him to go free his people and understand this, that the freeing of many begins with the calling of one. Who does God want to use you to set free today, this week, or this year? If you aren't already free, maybe you are that one today. And we would love to talk to you about how you can know Jesus and be part of his mission. Either come down front or back at the Connect desk after the service. But you have to be one before you can bring one. But if you have been set freed, he has freed you for a reason. And it's to go identify others who aren't free, invite them, and introduce them. So here's what we need to do. This is what I'm going to ask all of us to be doing. We need to pray. We need to pray that God would reveal his one for us to us. Then we need to pray for opportunity to connect with that person and that that person would be open to us as we reach out. Secondly, we need to share. We need to share our stories. We might need to share a meal. But then I know we need to share our lives with our one. And then we need to invite. We need to invite them into our homes, invite them to church, and then when the time is right, we need to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. Found people, find people. What would it look like if we all got serious about relational evangelism and discipleship? If every small group got involved, if we were intentional about being witnesses, if each one reached one, it would change everything. First for us, and then for them. So will you commit to that today? To reaching out, to being used, to building relationships to inviting and introducing. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.